61. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for each testimony that was given tonight. We thank you for the work that you are doing in the hearts uh, of people right here. Lord, we thank you for your watch care and your protection over us. We thank you. Lord, we want to remember to thank you for the things that we're not even aware of. Lord, the fact that you are working, the unseen hand of God is constantly moving on our behalf. Lord, we're thankful that you only have your best interest at heart. And Lord, your best interest are the most beneficial thing that's ever happened to mankind. We thank you for being so good and for loving us and caring for us and answering prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's have that last song, Brother Franz. View of Psalm 119. We've been going through the Psalms, not in any specific order. And uh, just looking through them, and uh, Psalm 119, uh, several years back, uh, we went through it in uh, verse by verse and line by line. Uh, it only took us about a year to do that, uh, 30, 38 weeks, I think. And uh, we're not going to try to condense 38 weeks into one lesson tonight, but uh, this is... Truly, the psalm of all psalms, the longest chapter in your Bible. Uh, If you have uh, a Bible that gives you all the different little things, you'll see the Hebrew letters over each one uh, of the 22 sections of eight verses that make up Psalm 119. And uh, most uh, believe that David was uh, the author of Psalm 119, Though it's unsigned, we do not know. But uh, the thing I like to do with this psalm and the the thing I believe in our study before is we can follow David's life from beginning to end right through the psalm. This would have been, uh, if it wasn't David's psalm, it was certainly someone that had very similar life experience. It went right through all of the things. And we start off with the summary. And what we're just going to do in our, in our time tonight is try to pick up a few words. But uh, I do want you to get the theme of this psalm, all but uh, two of the 176 verses that make it up, actually use a word that denotes God's Word, statutes. His commandments. Uh, uh, Just so many different words uh, that he uses here to talk about the Word of God. Every answer for life. Every problem you face. Every mistake that we make. Every joy that we have. Every victory that God gives us. The answer is the Word of God. It is the solution. It is the entire library that God has given to mankind. We really need nothing else if we could just get in this book. If we could just understand it. And the summary starts in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. 
If that is not the goal of the Christian life, I don't know what is. And if you want joy, if you want God's blessing, if you want uh, what the world would say happiness, uh, of course, blessing and happiness mean uh, basically the same thing, only blessings come from God. Happiness is one of those trivial passing things that here today, gone tomorrow. But if we want to be blessed, walking in the way, undefiled. James chapter 1 put it this way. True religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To help the widows and the fatherless in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's, that's what this verse talks about here. And David is, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Now, he takes this uh, first half of this strophe here, this group, and, and he says, this is the way it is. And then in verse 5, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Is that not the great struggle of life? I mean, we know what to do. Amen? Obedience to God's Word is always the answer. But if I were to ask you to raise your hands today, every hand would go up. How many of us fell short of keeping what we know the Bible says to do, every one of our hands would go up. We've all sinned. Uh, the Bible tell, and David says, listen, all that my ways were directed, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto, now look at that little word in there, all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. And then he ends with this phrase, Oh, forsake me not utterly. Now, I want you to take a moment and go to the very end. And I want us to read the last verse. Verse 176. It says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Now, here's the sum total. I mean, Dave, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say David. I believe he wrote this. I believe this is his life psalm. And, and when we get all the way to the end, he said, if I really want to sum up my whole life, he said, I'm like a lost sheep that went astray. He said, seek thy servant. Lord, you keep me in the way, for I do not forget thy commandments. We, we have this tendency, and I hope you are fighting against it, as I try to do. Life is not about you. It's not about you. You think it is. Because when somebody hurts you, it hurts. When something bad happens, you have to endure the pain and the setback and the, and the suffering. 
But life is not about you. It's supposed to be about God. It's supposed to be about His Word working through my life, through your life. Amen? That's what 176 verses are about. And the psalmist, when he sums it all up, said, I haven't done a very good job. You know why? Because you can't do a very good job. It's only when we get out of the way and Jesus works through us. And then who's doing a good job? Jesus is, not you. Amen? And so, we, we come back here, and let's just go back to the beginning of the psalm. And, and verse 9 starts, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? If you want to serve God, start young. Someone did a poll of preachers, and I certainly wouldn't include myself in that poll, but this was about 25, 30 years ago when I was just starting out, and they started talking to many of the men that in that day would have been classified as great preachers, and it seems like the vast majority, like 85 or 90 percent of them, had all been saved before they were 11 years old. And they had given their lives. Many of them were raised in Christian homes. Now, of course, there were exceptions to that. But I'll tell you, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's, that's what we have to pray for. That's one of the reasons why we want to take our teens to youth conference next week. We want them to be challenged with God's Word while they're young. How many of us older adults would say, I wish I'd known Jesus when I was younger. I wish I'd accepted Jesus when I was young enough that it could have determined the entire scope of my life instead of just part of it in the, in the latter half or, or later on. And so David starts here, and of course, we know that David was a young man. And I just love the picture of old Samuel, grabbing those big strapping sons of Jesse and lining them up in a circle facing outward. And the only ones on the inside was Samuel and David. And little Samuel, maybe 12 or 13 years old, Philip or Abiel. And here's this aged prophet. And of course, if we understand the Scriptures correctly, he was uh, dedicated to the Lord from his mother's womb and white hair braided down that had never been cut because everything in his life had been dedicated to the Lord. And he reaches into that robe of the priest and pulls that horn of oil and breaks it and pours it on David's head. And as a 12 or 13 year old boy, he says, you're going to be the next king. But keep it quiet. This is between you and God. Because if Saul finds out, you're in deep trouble, son. And he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? 
And David was learning to take heed to God's Word as he was out there keeping the sheep. And I just, uh, we, when we did our bike ride, we spent some time in the life of David. And, and people have the tendency to talk about David just coming out of nowhere and standing up and defeating Goliath. That wasn't true at all. David had already been anointed to be king. David had already built a, such a relationship with God that when the Spirit of God left Saul, Saul's servants began to describe David. They said that he was a cunning player on the harp. I'll tell you what, you don't become a cunning player on the harp in a week. Uh, our modern day guitar is a very simple instrument to play. The forerunner of that guitar, I'm told, was the harp like David played. But that was not a simple instrument to play. It, it took great skill. And in fact, David talks about prophesying and communicating on the harp in such a way with music that he was speaking to God that in ways that he could not utter with his normal voice. I, I want to challenge you. It takes a dedication. They talked to one of the great virtuoso guitar players of, of a latter generation. And they said, how long, have you been a, uh, how long have you studied the guitar? And his basic answer was that I serve the guitar. It is my master. It studies me, not me studying it. And that's one of the keys to the reason why he was such a great Andre Segovia, one of the, the man that invented the modern classical guitar. He said, I am not a master of the guitar. I am a student. And David was working on that. Yet... When the bear came out and attacked the sheep, the bear didn't get very far, did he? David had two basic instruments. He had a sling and he had a rod, a staff. And David defeated those animals. Why? Because he had a job to do. His job was to keep the sheep. And if he was going to keep the sheep... That meant the lion didn't get lunch. That meant the bear didn't get a snack. Because if they got the sheep, David had failed in his duty. That's why he says, with my whole heart there. And he says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Blessed art thou, verse 12, teach me thy statutes. And verse 16 is one of the keys. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. He said, God, I want you to bless me. But I want you to bless me so I can obey your word. You know what? God will answer that prayer if you pray it. Because he does one thing above all else. He honors his word. Amen. 
you see these patterns being set. And then when we get down to, let's go down to verse 25. Well, why not we start verse uh, 23. He said, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Do you know how to deal with people trying to destroy you? Fill yourself with the Word of God. You know what? You're not going to protect yourself from other people. What you're going to do is make it worse. But if you'll surrender yourself to God's Word, He will protect His servants. Amen? He will keep you. And we... Verse 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. You know, I think of how David did. He, he went out and he fought the battle with Goliath. And all of a sudden, the unknown David was as maybe 16, 17 years old at this time. Just a few years, five, six years after Samuel anointed him to be king. And yet it was going to be a long time before he would sit on the throne. If he was 16 years old, when he uh, fought the battle with Goliath, it would be another 14 years before he sat on the throne. Think about 14 years of your life. What were you doing 14 years ago? And David was immediately promoted to Jonathan's best friend. Saul made him the honorary general of the armies of Israel. And just a short time later, he was married to the king's daughter and brought into the king's household. And almost immediately, everything was lost. He goes home to his wife and she says, If you don't save your life tonight, you're toast. My dad is going to kill you dead. And now he becomes David the hunted. David that occasioned the death of the priest at Nob. David understood what he had done. The only problem was he couldn't undo it. They were all dead. And he says, my soul cleaveth to the dust. He said, I'm just laying in the dirt. He said, I can't even get up. But he said, if you give me life, it's got to be according to your word. And David does get up and David does move forward. Amen. Look at verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of all thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Can you hear his voice in verse 29? Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Look what verse 32 says. He says, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He said, Lord... I need you to open my heart. I need you to make it bigger so that I can run in the way, so that I can keep up with what is going on. And yet, 
David had more problems. And we come down to verse 49. And he says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. We get down here to to uh, verse 62. Verse 61, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and them that keep thy precepts. Now look down at verse 66. Teach me... Good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Can you hear David maturing here? He's saying, I'm starting to see just a little reason for all the suffering that I've had. If it hadn't been for those hard times, if it hadn't been that God had put me through these tests, I wouldn't have been serious enough about God's law to do it, but I thank Him that He afflicted me. You know, that's one of the commands in the Scriptures. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning those around you. Amen? No. Concerning you. And those around you as well are included in the word you. But he is, he is growing. Look at verse 87, and, and we really reach the depth. Uh, of David's despair here and and in this uh, uh, set of verses. But, (coughs) excuse me, verse 87 kind of sums this whole thing up here. He says, They had almost consumed me upon the earth. Now, what does that mean? Almost consumed me upon the earth. That I was this close to being totally wiped out. And truly, when Absalom rebelled against his father, David was simply hours from death. And yet, if God had not moved and had done, not done things, used uh, uh, David's uh, a friend to uh, confuse the counsel of Ahithophel... If David hadn't had the faithful sons of the priest to warn him of what was going on, it would have all ended right there. But it didn't. David said, But I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. 
David is at the very bottom of, of, of his experience as a human being. And then we go right into the next strophe, the next section here in verse 89. He says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I mean, can you hear the victory cry? David saying, They almost consumed me upon the earth, but I kept in thy word. And then he says, Lord, your word's settled forever. No one, no one is going to violate this book and get away with it. Amen? Doesn't it just seem, when we look around, that the wrong side's winning all the battles? I, I want to challenge you. Get your eyes off those battles and get your eyes back on the Lord where they belong. Because he has not changed his word. It is settled in heaven. They can argue about it all they want. Uh, I love verse 96. If you, if you want a verse that will help you, study verse 96. David says, I have seen the end of all perfection. He said, I've seen the absolute best that everybody has to offer. He said, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now, doesn't that almost seem contradictory? Because Jesus talked about the straight gate and the narrow way. But I want you to understand, once you get on that narrow way, if you will confine yourself, allow yourself to be constrained by the Scriptures, you will have more freedom than at any other time in your life. He said, Thy commandment is exceeding broad. You will have more freedom surrendered to His commandments, doing things His way than you ever could if you had everything that you ever wanted. You ever meet somebody who had everything they wanted? How about Alexander the Great? How long did he live? What was he, 32 years old when he died? What were his dying words that have been recorded through history? Are there not yet any worlds left to conquer? He died diseased. Broken in soul and body at the advanced age of 32 years old. Arguably the greatest general that ever lived died of despair because he had everything he wanted. You know what David said? He said, Thy commandments exceeding broad. I have freedom. I have power to overcome. I have strength. I have everything that my heart wants when my heart wants what God commands in His Word. You know what? God will give you what you need to serve Him. If it be Goliath's head, He'll give it to you. He even loaned you Goliath's sword to get it done. Amen? I love that story. 
David didn't have a, uh, a sword. Goliath's laying there on the ground. He's dead, but the Philistines don't know it yet. And David's, I am sure, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, thinking about this thing and saying, Hey, wait a minute. This guy's dead, but they don't know that yet. He said, maybe we better let him know. And he borrows Goliath's sword since he won't be using it anymore. Amen. And he lets the Philistine army know that Goliath is really dead. And you know what? God protected him as he ran from Saul. God kept him in all of his ways. And he reaches the pinnacle here. Look at verse 97 as the, the victory cry. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation through all the day. I mean, it is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditations. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, a sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'll tell you, David is going through this psalm and looking at all the beauties and all the wonders of God's words. But you know what? It's not always good. Look what he says in verse 145. He says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawn dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy words. My eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Sounds like David is once again in distress, does it not? You know, we have this funny idea that life ought to just be one step higher. The little children's song, I am climbing Jacob's ladder higher, higher. Uh, that makes a nice children's song, but it's not living. Living is a struggle. Just the very moment you think you get self put away, the bottom falls out of the box, and there it is. As we've tried to iterate so many times, if you're not fighting against sin, it's because you're sinning. If you're not involved in the struggle, it's because you've surrendered. And that's in this psalm, all the way through. It is that eternal struggle with God's Word to control and pen up that sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And we go through all of this, and, and I would encourage you this coming week 
Take an hour. You can probably do it in an hour or two at the very most. Read through this song. Look at what God's Word can and will do in your life. Look at 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. Here we have that echo from the earlier part of the psalm where it talks about the princes spoke against him and he meditated in God's word. He says here that these, probably not the same princes, of course, but they persecuted me without a cause. I'm not paying attention to them. Because what they say to me doesn't mean anything anymore. I am filled with awe. You know, that word awesome is used today everywhere. And the word means and deserves to be used only of God. It is to stand in worship of. That's what the word awesome means. So if you have one of those t-shirts that says, I'm awesome at home, uh, do yourself a favor as a Christian. Turn it inside out or use it for a dish rag and get rid of it. I mean, you're not. I'm sorry. Uh, I hate to burst your bubble. Uh, none of us are awesome, but God is. And David says, listen, I'm standing in awe of thy word. And so those that persecute me cannot get to me because I'm consumed with God's words. Look at verse 168. This is often quoted even sometimes out of concept. I'm sorry. Uh, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. You know, when we get offended, we got a problem with our love of God's law. That, that's the answer. You know, people will do things. But if we'll get in love with God's law, He'll protect us. He will keep us. And so we come down to this last group here. And he says, Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. It's not about you. It's about His Word. I don't care what you face. I don't care what problem comes your way. I don't care who's out to get you. The answer is the Word of God. The answer is God's Word. 
If we would let God's Word do the work that was in our heart, we could fulfill that warning that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 17. And when He said, Woe unto them by whom offenses come. You know, I don't think I've ever met a person, I may have met one or two, that just purposefully wanted to do wrong and hinder the work of God. I don't know that... Maybe I've met one over the years, but most of us are trying to do right. And you know what we accomplish when we try to do right? Wrong. That's why David said this thing. He said, I'm like a lost sheep that's gone astray. At the end of his life, he is surrendering once again to the direction of God's Word. Can I challenge you? That's the place where we ought to be. That's that's what the answer to Psalm 119 is. It is there to help us understand It is the only comfort. It is the only goodness. It is the only strength. It is the only blessing. And when we step out of the bounds, it will judge us. Because everything is about God's words. Trace it through the song. From his early days, wherewithal shall a young man, to his suffering, to the victory, where he says, I love thy law, I finally got it straightened out. And then immediately he's plunged back into despair and distress. You know why? Because he took his eyes off the Lord for just a moment to put them on his understanding. And that's where you fall. It's in God's law. And when we humble ourselves, as David did, this was a song that was meant to be sung. Could you imagine singing that entire song? Take hours. But it rehearsed the entire relationship of man with God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this psalm. And Lord, I'd be the first to admit we left so many things out tonight. We just, I just tried to pick up some high points here. And Lord, just ask that You would minister Your Word to our hearts and lives. That You would give us that humility to surrender to Your Word, to just simply understand Your precepts. Lord, that we could walk in Your ways, and that we could have the blessings of walking that broad path, that, that broad life, that freedom that is found in the narrow way. It sounds contradictory. But we can only find freedom when we get rid of self and are consumed with your goodness and your mercy and your love and your law 
and your commandments. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts and in our lives that we could be blessed by walking undefiled in the way. And Lord, that we would try and we would strive to do that even this night and especially tomorrow as we start the new work week that we may be your servants in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we won't have the piano played tonight. We'll just have a moment of silence. If you need to slip out, spend some time at the altar. The altar is open. Let's ask God to let His Word do its work in our hearts and souls.